Welcome to Fandom Femmes. We are two queer femme nerds of color who use humor and fun to take your favorite conventions diversity panel and turn it into a year-round conversation. I'm Noelle. And I'm Justine. And welcome! Welcome everyone! Yaz, thanks for uh, coming through. It's been about a little minute since our last upload, but we are so, so thankful for all of our listeners that have been patient with us and have also been posting us on their stories and saying how much they... um, they love us on Spotify, so we're so, so thankful and grateful. How are you, Justine? I am hanging in there. And again, thank you so much to our listeners for uh, their patience and everything, too. Um, it's been a journey, and um, Noelle and I started this podcast in a pandemic amid the um, unpredict- unpredictability of it all. So thank you for riding the waves and the punches with us. Yeah. How are you, Noelle? <laughs> <laughs> I am <laughs> oh I I feel like that cat in that poster that everyone always has like that motivational poster that no the one <laughs> I don't know what you're doing but the the one that's like I'm hang hang in there yes, you know one. like the yeah. cat like on the yeah I I'm I'm kind of feeling like that too but today's my day off so like mm-hmm. I'm even though I had a work meeting on my day off, so oh, yeah. you know what it is. So, but we we out here. We're I'm I'm really excited to be here and really excited to be here with our guest. Yes. Would you like to introduce them? Just seeing it would be an honor. Uh, we have been working on a lot of really exciting projects for Fandom Femmes, and one thing that we've been really looking forward to uh, moving back into a regular upload schedule is more interviews. And today we have Miss Shumai. Hello. Get closer. How close do you want it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Against social distancing regulations. (laughs) Wear a mask, (laughs) y'all. But yeah, Um, Ms. Jumai, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Just give a little bit um, about who you are and how you, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast and listening to my cacophony of a voice. Um, my name is Miss Shumai. <laughs> I am a Los Angeles-based drag performer. I'm a second-generation uh, Taiwanese, Hong Kongese, Chinese-American, um, and I've been doing drag for a little bit of time now. I'm really big about uh, you know creating spaces that cultivate the queer API community, um, doing numbers that represent the my experiences as a queer Asian American. Um, and also I'm a big fucking weeb. So I'm very happy to be here, it, be queer as hell and talk about weeb shit with y'all. Weeb shit. We love it. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I also for those who can't see because if you're not watching this um, and just listening, uh, we out here. Uh, Miss Shumai is representing the Leaf Village. <laughs> yes, we got the headband in the house. Um, I have my Akatsuki shirt on. Um, <laughs> just, just, I was like looking and just around. Justine missed the memo. And just missed the memo. It's okay. She's. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. Sec- Let's see. Like her earrings. We got the a flower. What? What? Flower? It's, a, what? It's, a, it's a sun. Um, it's a sun I'm representing the. I don't know. Like it's not technically the sun, but like lightning's close enough. I'm presenting. <laughs> I'm representing like the village. Lightning. Yeah, the lightning, village like the Raikage and everything. I haven't seen Naruto. We went over this in episode one, but. <laughs> 
I'll just smile and nod and everything. <laughs> smile and nod, boys. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so let's just hit it off, start off. So uh, first question is, how did you start? Um, how did you get started uh, doing drag? So I always had this inkling of wanting to do drag and, uh, you know, dress up in feminine ways in a way as a way to kind of like perform, have fun, express myself. Um, I've had, I remember very specifically when I was, uh, I think I was like 11 or 12. I was quite young. I was... I was like, what do I want to be for Halloween this year? And so my brother recently got like, uh, so my brother always had, my older brother, who's eight years older than me, always had the PlayStations and like the Sony games. And I always had the Nintendo systems in my house. So I never got to really play a lot of like PlayStation games, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I played like a tiny bit of Final Fantasy X2. Um, you know, the, the magical girls, <laughs> Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, and so I played like a, the tiniest bit of that. And I was like, this is cool. And so I like went and looked up like all the dress spheres and all the different costumes they had. And I was like, wow, this is so dope to, that like, you know, they're, they're taking these great character designs, like fashion meets power meets magic and everything like that. Um, and so I was like, I want to dress up as one of these girls for Halloween. Me being a quote, quote, like young boy just exploring identities at the time you know mm-hmm. i didn't really know that that was like really i knew it was like bad but i didn't know how bad it was i and i remember sharing that i wanted to do that with one of my friends um and then she was like oh yeah uh that's cool but i think people are gonna laugh at you if you do that and then so in back in the closet i went and, and so oh. that that became a pipe dream of mine for so so long until Anime Expo 2016, I was working at a nonprofit at the time um, called Asia Pacific AIDS Intervention Team. Um, and I do credit my growth at working in the nonprofit industry to a lot of what, what has given me as a drag artist today. Um, mm. and because not only working there gave me a lot of space and a lot more language to explore how I want to use my art to explore my Asian identity as it intersects with my queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, my coworker at the time, uh, who ended up becoming my drag mom, because I was like, I want to, I want to go to anime expo and drag for the first time. I think I want to do this now. Aww. Um, and so I was just sharing that. And then she was like, I'll be your drag mom. And then, um, yeah, so yeah. she put me in drag for the first time. I went to anime expo 2016 as a, uh, Gijinka of shiny mega Lapunny. It is pretty niche. <laughs> pretty damn neat and uh uh, (laughs) but you know i you know i felt the fantasy i was really really into it and that was like you know my that was my first time ever in drag um Mm -hmm. and so from then i didn't really do much drag after that you know i was just busy with work and stuff like that i think like almost a few a, a while later like i just got asked to do some performances i didn't even have a drag name yet like i just posted some pics and people saw i did drag and so they were like hey do you want to perform and i was like i've never done this before but let's do it and so, yeah. and then so during our rehearsal times like i was like I-, I need to figure out a name for myself i was telling one of my friends um oh one of my friends sean i think y'all know sean sean umeta shawnee boy mm-hmm. um yeah shawnee boy 808 uh yeah <laughs> you know, our, 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 our BuzzFeed star. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was one of my dancers at the time. And I was like, oh, I need to figure out a name. Um, 
I, I kind of want to be like kimchi, like do a food item, but like my culture. And then I was like, what if I was shumai? And I was like, that was it. And so since then, um, I've been hosting shows, performing in shows, now producing my own shows and stuff like that. And, you know, taken, I feel like I've really went beyond what I thought I could have ever done with drag. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Well, just a quick follow up question, just hearing you talk about all of that. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like when you're in drag? Like, mm, mm, like mm, mm. what are the feelings you're experiencing? Yeah, I all I honestly like you know I think a lot of drag drag performers will say that you know putting on drag is almost like a queer suit of armor in sorts. Um, that's not something I've ever really felt or experienced. It doesn't really feel like a suit of armor for me. It feels like it's. Like my personality is basically the same. I'm stupid in and out of drag, um, but <laughs> I, I, I think I love that. <laughs> I'm stupid in and out of drag, but I also think that you know when I'm in drag, I there's a you know a little bit more charisma, a little bit more like it's just me elevated in a sense. I mm. almost like to say that it's like you know I that's that's my temporary mega evolution. It's my Dynamax form. It's, Your it's, Dynamax. My, it's my Super Saiyan. It's my Sailor Sailor Scout transformation. It's you know it's a fleeting transformation that elevates my persona and my personality. Um, ah, but in the that. end, it's still me. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so awesome. I love that. So speaking of all of these origins. Uh, we also heard you said you were a fucking weeb. So can Absolutely. you tell us a bit about your fandom origin story? Like what are your first animes or Ooh. fandoms that you experienced? Okay. Well, I guess um, I, I think growing up as a kid, uh, I think especially as someone who this is very true to my queer experience is that I experienced and explored a lot of my gender through Sailor Moon and a lot of my sexuality through Dragon Ball Z. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, wow! <laughs> and so, like, those, like, I think watching, like, as a kid, I mean, I, they weren't, they didn't register as, like, anime to me. They were just, like, the things mm. I watched growing up Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z. Like, and I, I remember I started watching them. Like, our, our family had Sailor Moon episodes in Cantonese on Laserdisc. Like, that is Whoa. how I started. Yeah, they were, like, bootleg from Hong Kong or something like that. Like, <laughs> Um, and then like, I, you know, I just remember, I love watching Sailor Moon. That was one of my favorite things watching Pokemon, Digimon, like, you know, all the, all the, all the Toonami cartoons, you know, that was like all like, you know, the big, I I was a weave from a childhood, you know, that was all the things I watched and I never really grew out of it. But I think my foray into really being into anime specifically was, I saw that my brother started watching Naruto when I was like 12 and I was like, what's that? There's a fox. It looks cool. <laughs> and then so then like I got that. and then I like started watching Naruto when I was like in middle school and then I just got really into it and then fell into the hole and now I I uh watch many many things. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Naruto Gateway Club. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dr. Bayo bitches. Believe it. <laughs> believe it all right cool so um this is always a really hard question that i receive as a Mm -hmm. weave as well but um you don't have to limit it to one but Mm. maybe a handful Mm -hmm. of your favorite anime characters anime manga characters Mm. 
Well, I'm if I can, I'm gonna try and expand this to also like game genres too, because I feel like it kind of like no, you they can. can't. They can't. They, I feel like they bleed into each other. Just a little bit. Yes. Um. So <laughs> my favorite characters always definitely fall into a trope of like high femme, probably like super sexy and a little bit like uh mate might be a villainous, <laughs> you know the type. <laughs> Um, so like, the, so some of the ones that come to mind are like as death from a comic kill, um, like also like ice powers, like come, come on, right. come on. Um, Kiryu and Satsuki from kill a kill, um, Camellia from, uh, fire emblem fates. Also one of my favorite characters, you know, mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I think that the reason why I like to identify with these characters is because, you know, I think that. For me, my favorite characters are not characters I'm attracted to, like in like a sexual way or something. They're characters I like to see myself in, um, and like to for these kinds of characters, I feel like I see powerful, unapologetically femme and using and mm. owning their sexuality in ways that make them powerful, um, you know. And I think that, that I feel like that matches a lot of my energy very well. Um, so yeah, power, strong, powerful women is basically what I like to go towards. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Oh, yeah. I love that. I especially love the reference to Kill a Kill and um, as death because oh my gosh, as death. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right. Um. So I love how you because I feel like me and Justine have talked about that before. Where like, mm-hmm. um, we we try to think of like characters that. Uh, especially uh, when intersecting our bisexuality as as femmes, uh, we we were thinking about characters that we really liked and we were like, we were also um, like, oh, there's some characters where it's like, it's not really that like I had like sexual feelings for them. Like I just wanted to be like them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to talk about sexual feelings. Hey, <laughs> so what were your first anime crushes? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Y'all gonna get a kick out of this one. Let's Um, go. We're ready. (laughs) So, like I said earlier, Dragon Ball Z was a big foray, and I like sailors. Like Sailor Moon made me queer in terms of like gender, but Dragon Ball Z made me a gay as hell. Um, (laughs) And I also think like, and I guess this is one of like the few times I've really publicly like said this because I'm still kind of just like exploring this, but like I. Dragon Ball Z definitely gave me a muscle fetish. It really did. Like That's real. It's like, honestly, I had a lot of sexual fantasies with Dragon Ball Z characters that are very, very odd as a child, as a, as a young child. And when people were like, how did you know you were gay? When did you know you were gay? Um, uh, <laughs> 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 Should I tell you everything? Or <laughs> um, or like, do you like, want to share? Like, yeah. So, um, this is always really this is always a really fun, fun, funny character to say. But like, uh, I think one of my first anime crushes slash sexual fantasies was Majin Buu. No. Wait, which version? So, so, okay, so, you know, so you know how Majin Buu would like, like, turn people into food um, and absorb them, yes, and everything, and he yes. would get like. So, um, 
I my favorite one was when he like absorbed everyone, got like really, really buff and big, and he was like bulging. And I was just like, oh, why is this so hot to me? Oh, why 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 am I feeling things? I don't know. I was like, why am I why why am I feeling these things? I also I've I've had sexual dreams about cell too, but it was like both the combination. It was also like scary, but also I was like turned on by it. It was weird. Um <laughs> Brawly because Brawly is just like ginormous. I I'm like right. recently awoken to the fact that I do think I have like macrophilic tendencies. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I'm like nothing no, wrong with that. No, the bigger the bigger the better. Like they're the, the limit. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, this guy is the, guy's the limit. So have you seen um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Oh, absolutely. Or- okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I discovered that when I was younger. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It's you know, it's really funny. Is uh, just quick little side note is mm-hmm. that the uh, mangaka for JoJo's actually in, um cre- like drew them that way. As in, if someone hasn't seen JoJo's, they're very burly, very uh, detailed muscles, <laughs> Dorito shape, big hands. Doritos, <laughs> like you know, like when the the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like a Dorito, and then they're like I. Juicy everything. Like we're back into the juicy concept, mm-hmm. relativity. So, yes. uh, so um, the mangaka said that he actually drew them that way to better appeal to female audiences. But it's really funny how that turned out because he ended up having like a really really high male audience, and like the whole meme, like the everyone that's like a JoJo follower is like even if they're male, they're like we're gay <laughs> because of JoJo's. But they're like, I don't know if they're, I mean, who knows if they're kidding. But like, if that's like the quote unquote, like meme about it. Yeah. Is that like, oh, he meant for it to be for women. So, cause he thought that's what kind of bodies women liked. <laughs> <laughs> Little did they know, it was just, it was just smut for Bara. Like. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. All right. So, Obviously, you can hear how passionate you are about fandoms, whether it's anime, manga, or video games. So uh, what role does fandom play in the work you do now? I think it plays a huge role in the work that I do. Obviously, as someone who has wanted to not only do drag, but also cosplay through drag since I've been Mm. a young child, as someone who's done, whose birth as a drag queen was through, like, cosplaying at Anime Expo. Um, I do a lot of uh, like cosplay inspired numbers um, through my drag. And I think for me, and that kind of goes into like my kind of, uh, I almost said, is dogma the right word? I don't think it is, but it, it was the word that, you know, my, my kind of mission and my values and my brand as an mm-hmm. artist is that I, you, I want to use my drag as a way to explore and explore queer and represent the, experience my my personal experience as an asian american um because mm-hmm. growing up like and even to today i i mainly just i don't watch real people much <laughs> like Me? like i barely i, I barely watch it. real people like bare barely like uh, it'll be like a series maybe a season like but mm-hmm. everything else is like you know i have my anime rotation i got my childhood cartoon lo- like uh, rotation going, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. I I think for me, and I think a big reason for that was, I was like, I didn't see myself in nowhere. I didn't see myself anywhere in media, especially, you know, as we talk about representation and, you know, representation is important. Among many other things, it's not the only thing that's important, you know, don't get it right. twisted, Boba liberals. Um, and 
We're going to talk. So about that. let's go. Okay. Oh, let's go. Um, so I think, and especially as someone who was queer, very just exploring, um, exploring their identity as a young kid. Um, I think that the places I wanted to be seen and the people I wanted to be like were all in cartoons and all in anime characters. Like, I remember when I was young, like I, <laughs> I was like, I want to be like number three from Kids Next Door. I want to be like, okay, I, I was like, I don't want to be like uh, snooty, like Trixie Tang, but like you know, you can't deny she was iconic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't really want to be like her, but at the same time, I really did, you know. Like uh, so, I think mm -hmm. that, and especially like anime characters, I saw myself like being both beautiful and strong like the sailor scouts and stuff so i think mm -hmm. that um a big thing for me and a big thing of my asian american experience is that the person i wanted to be was someone who is like an anime character and that's kind of like what i like to try and bring to life through a lot of my numbers um mm -hmm. I, so i've done numbers as like sailor sailor mars which i've titled sailor shoe mars um Aww. and like i've 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 done like i recently did a number as sienko from the uh, capcom universe um so i you know i think that cosplay is a huge and cosplay fandom is a huge part of my asian american experience and by that is a huge part of my drag too yeah love <clears throat> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that. I I especially loved that that connection between um cuz you said like even though um like Shumai is somewhat of a separate persona for like from you, there is a lot of you like fused into her. Like Absolutely. like she's both like you don't exist in a binary. Like they're no. all one of the one and the same and everything. So, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I kind of wanted to uh, dive more into identity. So yeah. you've mentioned Asian American, you've like briefly touched upon like um, how you de define your queerness, but what words yeah. do you use to describe yourself? How do you identify? Yeah, um, if I'm in a safe space and I am like, people will know that I'm kidding, like, but I, or like almost half kidding. I like to say like, I'm a diet cis person. Um, <laughs> like, obviously I'm a person of non-binary experience, but I also like, um, that, 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 you know, I also like very lightly identify that. And I also still identify like as a quote, quote boy sometimes, you know, like it's, it, in terms of like, I will say I'm, I'm gay in terms of sexuality, in terms of gender, I, I generally say I'm queer, um, sometimes we'll say I'm of non-binary experience, but you know, like a diet cis person. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And That's I think great. as I'm, as I'm kind of like, you know, as you know, as drag is a huge way for that. A lot of people who do drag, um, I honestly, I, I, this is obviously the truth for some people, but not a lot of people. Um, I, I gen, I generally do not like the trope. The, uh, I think it's a very old kind of trope of like drag being we're just men in dresses like I think that that's a kind of, that's a very damaging um trope that a lot of people follow um because me dressing up like quote quote as a woman and embodying femininity does not invalidate my femininity out of drag either so right. um so yeah uh that's kind of my two cents about my identity um in terms of like pronouns and stuff like that she her in drag but like any pronouns used respectfully out of drag are fine but i'm like i i, I hate it when i'm caught when people are like hey bro what's up man like like aggressively <laughs> aggressively masculine straight talk i'm like mm, miss me with that <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
Thanks for sharing that. And like, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I really resonated uh, with a lot of that too. Like uh, speaking for myself and something that I've talked about while I'm on this podcast is I am very fan presenting, but I do identify as non-binary too. And people have this very distinct picture of what that's supposed to look like. So mm-hmm. when Absolutely. with my students or like with other people who meet me, I just like, oh, I use they, them, and she, her pronouns. And then they ask like, uh, they can't ask qu- questions that are kind of invasive or they might exclusively use she her with me Mm -hmm. um specifically because like i have long hair i have boobs like i wear dresses Mm -hmm. sometimes you know um so i really like that um distinction you made like also and i really like also that (laughs) that term of like a diet cis person because like i might use that as well what what i've used basically is like i'm a woman question mark (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i feel that i like put quotes around boy every time i describe myself as like a a, a, a boy um <laughs> I, I i definitely feel you on that i feel like my gender is very like lacrosse cis person you know like uh <laughs> as- aspartame cisgender <laughs> oh my god that's amazing um and yeah. you've used drag as a way to you've kind of explained how you used um drag to connect with these different identities right i also wanted to talk about how you use drag to connect with your um, Asian American culture because I've seen I've seen a couple of your uh, performances as well and you'll come out in like traditional like East Asian clothing you will sing songs like in Cantonese and, and Mandarin and everything too so like um, what role does drag play in connecting to your culture that way yeah um, thank you for asking that I think that for me a, a huge part of doing drag for me was a way to re- like reconnect, reclaim and celebrate my heritage and what that looks like on a person like me. A lot of times, and I think this can be said with a lot of different uh, people who come from like immigrant communities, um, that we often feel like our queerness and our Asian identity or whatever uh, ethnic identity we have, they can't coexist in the same kind of space mm-hmm. um, due mm-hmm. to the culture, due to homophobia, transphobia, or heteros- cis-heterocentrism that's so present in a lot of more conservative um, cultures and stuff like that. For me personally, that looks like, you know, wearing a chi pao and performing uh, like songs that I remember from my childhood growing up. Um, and I think that, you know, some of my, one of the most important things for me and ways I've been able to celebrate that and kind of rewrite, um, rewrite the traditions to fit my narrative are doing performances for major holidays that are significant to my culture, such as Lunar New Year's, such as the Mm -hmm. Mid-Autumn Festival, um, and using those to explore different parts of my culture, such as, you know, I, I recently did a number that I did, I've done a few numbers for Mid-Autumn Festival that paid tribute to Tango, who's the, uh, moon, the moon goddess that we eat the moon cakes for every Mid-Autumn Festival. Mm -hmm. Um, like I did a number that like was inspired by Over the Moon on Netflix. Go watch that if you haven't watched it, but I'll save that for Get Rick. Um, you know, and I've, I've, I've done numbers where I lip sync with a dancing lion head. Um, or yeah, the da- one of those dancing lion heads, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the yeah, gong, 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 that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> those things. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's been a huge part. Um, my, but part of my Asian experience, Asian American experience has been reclaiming and rediscovering that and using those parts to fit my narrative on top of use. And, and that's, 
because the Asian American experience is not one monolith, right? I'm only representing mm-hmm. what's true for my life and my journey. And mm-hmm. my and part of that journey happens to be the intersection of traditional wear meets cosplay meets uh, un- unapologetic sensuality and stupid. So. <laughs> <laughs> and stupid. Stupid is the through line that. It really is. <laughs> it really is. I love that. Wow. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that. And um, this pr- the purpose of this interview and the purpose of why we're asking you questions is to get to know the intersections of you and all um, how all of your likes and lived experiences like make you the performer and person that you are. So for a little fun type of twist to that, we are going to have rapid fire Q and A. <laughs> all right are you ready for this hit me with your best shot dun, dun, dun. Well. <laughs> okay ready three two one sub or dub oh definitely sub favorite sailor scout neptune favorite cosplay that i've done yes yes oh uh, uh, <laughs> uh honestly my sailor mars cosplay Nice. Uh, shoujo or shonen? Shonen. I'm trash for shonen. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet or salty? Uh, salty. Or umami Ooh. specifically. Mm. <laughs> Blackfinger or twice? I have to say twice. I, I must, I'm a hardcore once. Let's go. Let's, okay. Uh, favorite anime zaddy? Oh, this is a three-way now. Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, or Cartoon Network? Oh, that's a hard one, but I'm gonna have to say Cartoon Network. Let's go. Okay. okay. Um, favorite evolution? Hmm. Uh, Espion, but honorable mention to Sylveon because trans icon. Nice. <laughs> Pho or ramen? Um, uh, I will say ramen, but I'm partial to udon. So let's go. Ooh, we love favorite video game, period. Period. Uh, period. Wait, video game, or can I say a franchise? Franchise? Say franchise. Cool. Okay, fine. Yeah. Fire Emblem. Nice. Oof. And last but not least, favorite toxic anime boy. Toxic anime boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh no, who's toxic? Who's not toxic? That's the bigger question. I like. Oh no. I mean, toxic is relative, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. It is. Right. That's like yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing. Toxic is relative. Um. Uh. Okay. Um. I guess the I really the first person that comes to mind is, and I don't you know, even know if he's toxic or not, but like Todoroki, he's he's got some trauma. You know, he's got some trauma. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a trauma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's some unpacking to do there. Yeah. Right. He's got daddy. He's got daddy issues, and I relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that concludes our rapid fire Q and A. That was fun. How y'all feel? I love the. I love the like. I love how you tried to think of someone else other than Majin Buu, but just, like <laughs> had to give it up to him. 
you're like, ah, like not, don't say Majin Buu, don't say Majin Buu, and then like, ah, Majin Buu. <laughs> uh, just something about that silky, smooth, pink flesh just with the bulge, bulge, bulging, you know, just bulging Doesn't pectorals. Like an antenna, like, like the little... Yeah, thing. and I have definitely yeah. have fantasies of that going in places, so... No! Girl. <laughs> I'm... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, oh I'm my god no, don't I mean, get me like, started you know, on the full fantasy i'll, I'll tell you but it's, it's, <laughs> i just want you to write a fan fiction and then i want me and justine to read it out loud on our next podcast that's gonna be our <laughs> that's gonna be a mini-sode of just um, <laughs> like oh my god or like if people pay up to a certain tier on your patreon oh my god. they get like <laughs> me reading um, my Mon- erotic dragon ball <laughs> erotic majin buu fan fiction <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, I mean, like yeah. I would subscribe to that tier, honestly. All of the in a heartbeat. <sighs> oh, boo! Just, just it's okay if you turn me into chocolate. I understand. <laughs> I understand. I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'll be your sesame flavored white chocolate for you. Oh, Ooh, <laughs> oh my god! Okay, umami flavor. That's where the umami flavor comes from. Yeah, it comes <laughs> from the black sesame. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Oh, why am I sweaty? Oh my god! <laughs> my pit, my pits are my pits are warm too. You're feeling the heat between. between You're feeling the juice. <laughs> the, juice. the juice. You're feeling the juice. Oh my god, that's the motif of this. Um, <laughs> juice is the motif of today. Episode. Exactly. The juice. Yeah. The juice on my. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. If you think about it, when it's your own sweat, right? Would that be like, say, it's my sweat? Is it like Noelle juice? Like, it's relative. If you were to put it in a cup, it is relative. Yeah, you can define your juice however you would like to define your juice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. My bodily secretions, I am now defining them as Noelle juice. (laughs) And if you if you pay up to a certain amount on the Fandom Femmes Patreon, you could get some Noelle juice. Exactly, it could also be yours. (laughs) Okay, if if it's juice. If you're okay, if it's juice though, and like I just walk by you and just get a really brief whiff, is it like Noelle flavored LaCroix or something? <laughs> it's <just> like- <laughs> <laughs> and when I get older, it's like it's like wine, right? Because like it ages, it's very right like Not it, not Noelle hard, <laughs> not Noelle hard cider, not Noelle white claw, white claw, white claw. It's me. I'm a white claw flavor, oh, y'all. Oh my, oh my gosh. This wow, this took a turn. But <laughs> welcome to my Gemini brain. We out here. Um Love that. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Um, so I think so the last question we ended on was about mm-hmm. like toxicity, like you know, toxic anime boys and like mm-hmm. how that's relative. I'm trying to segue here, y'all. I was trying to segue into social justice. <laughs> But we went I'm to so juice. sorry. So we went to you juice. Know, Maybe you know what? Segue <laughs> from juice. Social juice this. Social juice this. <laughs> 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 you said it sounds like jutsu too. But like, <laughs> social juice <laughs> I know that podcasts are an audio medium, but each of us threw up a hand seal. So, and I did at least four. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. This is, I mean, like, this is honestly so on brand for us too, and we're we're yeah. so glad that you're like matching our vibes right now, I'm, and like I'm you're just so here for too. it all. Oh, it is my natural vibe as well. 
So <laughs> we love this is a, stupid is also a through line of our personality as well <laughs> yes. and the fandom. So we got so we got, so we got stupid and juice so far. So yes, stupid it. juice. <laughs> That's yep. what I drink every morning. Yeah. Oh, so this is actually a great segue. So speaking of stupidity, we touched on boba liberalism before, <laughs> and. <laughs> Here with the segues, let's go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So we we talked a little bit about how um like Asian identity and like queer identity is often police and like gate kept. Um how Asian issues and Asian American issues can be seen as monolithic and how that can be really damaging to a lot of the movement, um, to a lot of the different social movements that are going on. Um and a, a lot of what drew me in particular to your drag is the fact that you use it as a platform to talk about issues that would otherwise not be discussed in the Asian American community and the Asian American creative community. So I'm I'm really curious about that. In what way can you share with our listeners in what ways you've incorporated social justice um, into your performances and art, and also maybe a little bit about why like those issues or what particular issues resonate with you the most. Absolutely, yeah. So thanks for asking that. I think that you know, uh, including. Uh, like being sexy, including cosplay, including culture and satire and comedy, you know, a big through line of my drag is also social justice. Um, and, you know, I try community is a huge thing with me, a, commu- a huge thing for me. Building community among queer APIs is a huge thing for me as well. Um, and, you know, for me personally, like I know that for my specific brand of drag, like I'm only going to speak to what's true about my my experience as an Asian American. Right. Um, in a sense, I think for a lot of creatives in when it comes to a, like culture and experiences, like I think it's best to in in one way, stay in your lane and, and like really build that lane for yourself because, um, you know, there exists a plenty of appropriation and anti-blackness that exists within the Asian American community. Um, and some of that, a lot of that can translate through our art too, which is like, no bueno. So like, um, and I think a lot of what, for me as an artist, my journey to getting into like social justice and using art as a way to talk about different social issues and galvanizing my community, um, I knew I always wanted to do something that would like, you know, contribute to the greater good of the world. Um, when I was in college, go Bruins, um, (laughs) you know, I I was a communication studies major with a minor in film and I was like, I want to impact media representation, um, and stuff like that as like a queer person, as an Asian. Um, and so I wanted to work in like development and script writing and stuff like that. And which is like really, really dope, but I just didn't have that in me because, you know, unfortunately sometimes the route to get there is working for a cishet white dude Mm -hmm. i didn't have that in me and so um actually my career transitioned into working in nonprofit um back around like 2015 16 um and that actually gave me a huge lens as to like okay i know i don't want to work in development how can i still impact you know representation while still being true to myself and being able to speak out on other things and now i was like okay well i guess i'm gonna be the talent now so so you know i'm all as whether that is as like a choreographer whether that is as uh oh yeah so listeners i'm also a professional choreographer and you know that's part of my drag too dancing (laughs) um so um 
yeah, use, utilizing dance and drag as a canvas to explore my Asian American experience to speak out about um, issues that I've personally faced within our community, um, my experiences as a, um, you know, exploring my identity and how they intersect with each other, um, as well as using the space that I create to talk about various issues and galvanize our community to do be better allies to fellow marginalized communities. Like I th one of the things that we make sure to do is like, you know, ask folks to, not only honor land acknowledgements whenever we do have shows, you know, make sure that they practice contributing regularly to our indigenous communities. Um, mm -hmm. You know, making sure that the people we have at our show, we vet them in terms of like, you know, they're not someone who's like going to appropriate a lot of black culture with the numbers that they do, et cetera. And, you know, we've mm -hmm. did, we've done fundraisers in support of uh, black trans lives. Uh, we've done events where we organized our patrons to send letters to senators in support of like the breathe act and whatnot. And so, um, and we always push all the people who come to my show, Send Nudes, which, which is LA's monthly Asian Pacific Islander drag show, um, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. Um, you know, one of the things we always make sure folks take away is not only do I want, do we want folks to come feel seen, feel like they're a part and building community with one another, because there's not a lot of spaces that are inclusive of all queer identities, you know, and that comes from someone who mm. works for Game Boy, which is uh, LA's uh, Gay Asian Night. And it's very, you know, I, as someone who also works with them, you know, I can tell like the clientele is very cis gay Asians, um, which is cool, because I think, you know, that's still my community. And, and at the same time, I wanted to create a space that's intentional about being inclusive of the all the different folds and experiences of our community um not not to say one's better for the other there are different spaces for different people right so mm -hmm. um and so because of that i want to be able to not only intentionally build our community in this sense but also make sure every single time that they come they they feel seen they feel heard and they also feel empowered to take action to be better allies too oh yes yeah thank you so much for for sharing all yeah. that and honestly like as um as somebody like Noelle and I have seen you perform like in in drag, we've seen like your, some of the performances like you posted online, and I I love how I've really appreciated how you've used this platform and like your artist and like performer persona to not only um, to give a platform to a lot of these issues, but also make them very like palatable and accessible to people who might not necessarily have like experience or firsthand, um, might not know somebody who's like going, who's impacted by that issue, you know? Um, and art and specifically like with your art, how I've seen it is that um, you, the way, like the way that you incorporate humor and the way that you incorporate like fashion and dragon music really makes the topic more accessible and like almost- empowers and like encourages people to like oh like I never thought about it that way before but you've given me this to kind of like in a like a non-academic very accessible way for right. the community to kind of consume it yeah because yeah. mm -hmm. you know your girl can go ivory tower as hell like I can talk mm -hmm. jargon to you but mm -hmm. at the same time you know like especially for performance art something I always like to keep in mind is you know what is going to be accessible and digestible from an audience like what's going to exactly. read and so mm. um 
Yeah, some of the some of my favorite performances I've done is like, you know, I, I also like to incorporate spoken word a lot into some mm-hmm. of my performances, because I think that that's a medium in which I like to express myself is through writing. Um, and also, you know, to talk about something in a way that is, what's the word? In a in, in a, almost a candid way, you know, that's like, yeah. I'm just, t- I'm telling the truth. So I've like done numbers where I talk about, you know, trying to exist on the intersection of both of my queerness and my Asian identity. I've done numbers that talk about the fetishization of Asian bodies within our, within the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, I've done numbers like speaking out about ice raids on, mm-hmm. on July 4th of all days, you know? So, you know, I think that, um, I do, I thank you for acknowledging me and that, you know, that I do try to try my best to make sure my numbers not only if, if they are dealing with something that's heavy, that it's also palatable and appropriate for the context. So, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. I mean, like art is all about, you know, like you being aware of who's in the room is a huge part of like meeting people where they're at and like aiding them in like accepting and wanting to understand like what you're talking about. So yeah, thank you so much for that. I think like, um, kind of like to round this um, to this portion out. I'm curious about like what kind of re- you've you've talked about building community and how drag for you has like been a community builder. So another thing I'm curious about is what kind of responses have you gotten from incorporating these social justice topics into your performances, whether they be positive or negative. Um, I think the my intention behind asking this question is that when you know, for other budding artists out there who are kind of maybe nervous about, you know, showing too much and not being palatable enough and not being bookable, not being um, accepted, um, just kind of like also maybe sharing some strategies that have helped you develop and incorporate that as a part of your brand. Yeah, um, that's a very, very good question. Um, I, so, so I guess uh, tackling part one first, I think that a lot of the responses have been overwhelmingly like, you know, grateful and positive and that I'm speaking out about things, um, you know, that might resonate with a lot of people. Um, I think what comes up, what comes to mind first is when um, I did a performance specifically talking about fetishization of Asian bodies within the queer community. Um, Cause that's something that I had experienced a lot. Um, and I, I mean, I still do. Um, so like I, that, you know, being fetishized for your ethnicity is disgusting and it's also quite violent. And it's something that, especially within the Asian community, Asian American community, especially within queer Asian communities, um, and especially cis gay communities needs to talk, be talked about a lot. Um, cause, uh, I, I, I did that performance for, um, a pageant that I competed in, um, that I also am a, am a past title holder of, um, Let's go. uh, called the, called Gap, Gappa Runway Gay Asia Pacific Alliance. Um, and so I knew that the audience there was going to be like primarily Asians, a lot of, a lot of gay Asians and potentially a lot of their white boyfriends too. And so... <laughs> I I did that number. I got a lot of positive feedback, and then like I remember specifically, I like I think it was like at the at the after party, like uh, some someone with their white boyfriend was like that number was for you to point, and then pointed to their white boyfriend, and I was just like, "You're not wrong," oh, and I'm not sorry about oh, it because if because if it's it. some if it's something that you know if you got defensive about it, it probably applies. So mm-hmm. you know 
that yes so i think that and it, i think that that was you know those are some responses um i personally to and I, if this helps because i know like you know people are like worried about being like canceled or getting a lot of like pushback on social media and whatnot that's something that i do take in con- into consideration when doing a number but at the same time if it's something that is speaking my truth then you have nothing to apologize for mm. at the end of the day. If it's speaking yeah. your truth, you have nothing to apologize for. If you're speaking your truth authentically, you have nothing to apologize for at the end of the day. If you think your truth is appropriating a culture, that's a different issue. Um, but <laughs> if at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for what's true about my experience and you can't tell me shit because it, it's something I've lived. You cannot invalidate that. And so um, I haven't received that much pushback with a lot of like maybe the more quote quote political numbers I've done um I if if anything like the those comments I ignore and they I just uh you know they they, they're those aren't the comments that push me forward so um and Mm. the I've only gotten more and more opportunities for the work that I do so to any you know budding creatives out there who are worried about like you know their bookability you know their if if they're worried about saying something a little bit more political and risk of their and risk of their brand, I think that, you know, as long as you're speaking your truth, the right pathway will find you and you'll be on the right pathway. Um, yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not saying like I, I, and it's, I, I will say that I do, I'm not 100% unfiltered in all minds. You know, I do think about that. I do think about, you know, right. what's right for this context, what's right for this room, what's right for mm-hmm. um, this specific like this specific time period you know so that's something mm-hmm. that one should also keep in mind as we're as you're trying to figure out what your next kind of like art piece is too yeah amazing thank you so much for sharing yes. all that insight as oh, well so inspirational we fucking love. thank you sorry if i was i was i was rambling a little bit no, no absolutely not so speaking of uh send nudes so how did it get started and what what is what was it like uh pivoting towards a virtual platform yeah so send nudes uh i got the idea of doing send nudes um which if you skipped through is la's uh asian pacific islander drag show that i that i co-host with bb discoteca um it's a monthly show that um we that has been happening since uh, March of 2019. Um, and so it got started. It This was, this show was kind of like my brainchild. Um, after mm. I, after I got the title of Miss Gappa, um, I was like, okay, this was really just like a big level up for me. Like now what do I want to do with my drag? Um, I was seeing that, you know, amongst booking various shows and stuff like that, um, throughout work, being a working drag performer in Los Angeles, I was I was very often the only Asian in a lot of casts, um, and so I was like, oh, I'm the token, and I also was like, okay, what I, I also w- would think actively of like, okay, then what's what what is uh, am I gonna have to do something for a, a, like a white audience, you know, or mm-hmm. just like a like a non specific mm-hmm. Asian audience like you know the spaces like the spaces aren't as necessarily intentional mm-hmm. and so you know because I also started performing with Game Boy I, I had a gay Asian audience there and that's when mm-hmm. I got to really really explore and do do numbers that were really unapologetically Asian because it's not it's not that I can't do them in for quote quote white audiences 
but the impact will be different. The impact would be way, way, way different. Like it's one thing to be unapologetically yourself for and have people learn about that, but it's also way different and so much more healing when you do when you do something when you do your artwork for an audience that gets it and sees themselves in it, and mm-hmm. so that's been one of like the most wildly rewarding things for me and, and validating things for me. Um, and so because of that, you know, I was like, why don't we have a space where you know like. We, there's a lot. There's quite a few API drag performers within the SoCal area. Why, like, why is it just that there's only one or two of us for each show? We don't. We mm. deserve more than just being tokens. So, mm-hmm. and at the same time, there was no community among us either. And so that's another thing that I wanted to fill in that missing gap. There, there, and we we took the inspiration from other API drag shows all at major cities all across the nation from. Bubble Tea and A Plus in New York to uh, the Rice Rockettes in San Francisco to Club Koi in Miami to Rice Cakes in Vancouver. Um, We drew a lot of inspiration and connection from them to be able to build this space for the LA SoCal queer API community. Um, So once I had that idea, um, I was talking about that idea with BB Discoteca um, and uh, BB formerly known as Blasia. She had a name change recently, if you didn't know. So uh, I, ha- I was talking with BB because, uh, you know, she and I were very, are, are very close friends. And she's one of my best friends that does drag, you know. So I was talking to her, letting her know a little bit about like, you know, this is what I want to do in the future. And she was like, oh, I'm in. I want to help out with this. And and then, and thus Send Nudes was born. Um, and so we've been hopping around venues kind of a thing while... As whilst we were kind of getting in through our first year, um, we settled at the end of 2019, we settled at the Virgil, um, which is in like kind of like the Silver Lake-ish area. And that's been a great home for us. Um, unfortunately, we went COVID hit. We actually, the city went into lockdown though basically the week before we had to have our one-year anniversary which was Mm -hmm. devastating for us it was Mm -hmm. you know it it really felt like we couldn't celebrate our like like our child's one-year birthday you know Mm -hmm. and so and it was really cool we were supposed to be working with the japanese american or a japanese american cultural community center in little tokyo um Mm. one one of the things we've always wanted to do was to host send nudes in a like specific historic asian enclave um, and so the fact that we were able to do that while working with an amazing nonprofit organization and the venue was, oh, let me tell you, the venue was going to be so nice. Like it was like, <laughs> like it was it, it, like they had, they have weddings in this venue kind of like it would have been, it would have been a gala. Like it, it, <laughs> it would have been so good. Unfortunately, that was one of the biggest things that COVID canceled and we were very, very, very sad about. So after that, we took some time to process and reassess. And so we we actually got our start. We kicked off API Heritage Month in May uh, with transitioning to having Zoom shows. Um, the transition, not going to lie, it's been rough in a few ways. Uh, it's great that we're able to build community still, especially in response to COVID when especially in the beginning, you know, P- Asian Americans, Asian American hate crimes were like at at like pretty high. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was some, and especially that combining with already high hate crimes for being queer, like, you know, it felt very unsafe for me. And I, I, I really wanted to have the space for us to be able to feel safe with each other, you know, and hold space for each other. And so unfortunately we had to, we transitioned to doing that 
virtually via Zoom. Um, obviously, tech issues galore. But one of the beautiful things about that was that not only are we able to connect and build community safely, but we're also able to book talent and connect community, co- connect with so many people that maybe would not have had access to these spaces because of mm. bars, because of geographic distance, because right. and stuff. Mm. So you know, it's it's been honestly really great. Um, though I also will have to say that there is definitely like Zoom fatigue, and you know, we've mm-hmm. seen drops in numbers because of that, and. Um, I don't know about our, I don't know how, I don't know how it's going to be for our next show because all shows are different, but you know, for the past few months, it's been like, you know, a little bit, our attendance has been a little bit less, not only I think because of Zoom fatigue, but because some bars have opened up. There are some performers who perform in person and like, and I'm like, not judging that, get your bag, get your bag. But for me, I'm like, I, for us, especially as community organizers, we can't put our community at risk like that. Um, mm. It And I also, I'm like, I'm not trying to put my risk at that risk like that either so you know Mm -hmm. we've stayed we've stayed steadfast in doing online shows via zoom and zoom was actually the best way for us to feel like we were building community with one another a lot of drag shows have been transitioning to instagram live um or twitch where they can do like more highly produced video performances Mm -hmm. but for us you know it well our goal for send nudes is not just to have performances but it's also to really build community one of the best ways to do that is is to through zoom so we can actually like see each other face to face and interact like in real time with everyone so Mm. yeah so it's it's been rough but i'm glad that we're still building this space with each other that's awesome i love how um you specified which medium helped you and your show stay true to your mission absolutely you know because um, there's just such a difference of like, you know, like performing to people or performing with people, you know, mm, or like mm, mm. or like talking to people or talking with people. Yes. And I feel like like especially with something like Zoom um, or any of the other platforms that are more synchronous, just yeah, yes. synchronous. Yeah, it's it's just way I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's great that you guys like even though maybe you you would have. Not, I wouldn't say more opportunity, but like mm-hmm. it's just like say it's quote unquote like easier and like mm-hmm. um, than Zoom, but like you still believe to use it because of what you stand for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Of course. Yeah, and like um, I think kind of um, as we're kind of wrapping up and everything like that, one thing that um, I did want to give like you the platform that we did want to give you the platform to talk about is debunking myths and misconceptions. Uh, so mm. much of what you do is about challenging stereotypes um, and also like um, challenging what it means to be like a drag performer, you know, like you and BB are like, a part of the reinvention of what drag performances look like because you're doing it all on zoom you know what i mean you're pivoting from like this very in your face like interactive type thing and you're making it interactive like in other ways too so um this could this is a very broad question but what are Mm -hmm. some misconceptions about being like a drag performer about um, identifying the way you do about being asian pacific islander that you'd like to debunk for our listeners or anyone out there yeah. Um, so I guess kind of the first thing I would like to ta- say on that end is the misconception, um, I guess, misconceptions around drag that are often perceived for um, any listeners who are not familiar with drag. Like drag is a drag is a performance art that, you know, allows you to play with gender in ways that feel authentic to you. 
Um, and it's drag is not necessarily like dressing up a, a cis male dressing up as a woman or or like the quote quote opposite or like like a cis woman dressing up as a man for drag kings, you know, like that can be the case. But drag is not drag is for every person. Drag is for any kind of person, no matter how they identify um, and can be used in a way that is like true and authentic to them because cis women can be drag queens men can be drag queens non-binary folks can be drag queens there are drag kings drag things drag experiences you know so i think that one of the biggest things i always like to say when i'm introducing drag is that it's for everyone just because popular media makes it out to say to makes it out to kind of seem that you know it's just men dressing up as women like i said Mm -hmm. earlier that's that's not the most I, I don't like that trope because it's damaging to my own identities because I'm mm-hmm. I'm not just a man dressing up as a woman. I feel like that that really like invalidates my femininity in and out of drag because it's still it's still there regardless of what I look like on the outside. So mm-hmm. um, and also, I guess another misconception is um, I mean, I guess it's not really like a misconception, but. For any listeners who are, you know, potentially struggling with finding their truth as it intersects with their heritage, their culture, and their queer identity, know that the journey and the struggles that you have are 100% valid. And at the Mm -hmm. same time, your unique experience is allowed to exist. Just -hmm. because it feels like some things conflict, it's valid that they conflict. And at the same time, they can exist at the same time, even if they feel like they conflict. Um, and that's something for me as as a queer diasporic Asian, you know, that's also something that I've experienced too. There's so many times where like I feel like there's a lot of times to, and this is like I saw this meme or tweet earlier this week. It's like, you know, if you like one of the queerest things you can say is I don't feel queer enough. Because every single queer person has gone through this kind of feeling, but you know, like there's oh, like <laughs> every time you say that, you instantly gain one thousand queer exp points. You know, like <laughs> that. Like I've and th- that's a tweet that I shared. I wish I could give credit, but I do not remember who it is by. But this person, love them. Um, <laughs> they like I. I've constantly felt like as like a quote quote gay male. I'm like I'm feel like I a lot of times I'm like maybe too feminine blah 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 also at an in other spaces it's like you know especially when i see a lot of casting notes it's like oh i'm looking for females i'm also like can i apply to this am i woman enough to apply to this mm. i also am and also like coming from like an asian like an, an asian american perspective one of the most diasporic things that we've all been through is feeling not asian enough mm-hmm. um like i'm hella asian but like at the even but even then like you know there's always going to be feelings of like oh because i'm not 100% fluent in like my quote quote mother tongue because i have these values i'm not i'm not quote quote asian enough and those are all valid pressures and all valid conversations that happen in our head because unfortunately that's what society has to what society gives us and it's up to us to unpack and change that narrative and it's up to us to really you know own the fact that even though these things conflict we're allowed to exist and celebrate all those different folds of ourselves um and that looks like something different for every single person this is what it looks Mm -hmm. like for me um and it looks like something different for every single person so i'm hoping that you know that 
if that's a, I don't know if that counts as a misconception at all, but I think that that is something that everyone, everyone, you deserve to be celebrated for all of you, not in spite of parts of you. Period. I love that. Oh, oh my god! Literally everything you said <laughs> is like everything that like fandom femme stands for. Especially yeah. like say like for the first one, we're like always like you know gatekeeping. Like we always speaking out against like gatekeeping in right. all aspects. You know, in terms mm-hmm. for you, it's it, it was um you spoke about drag and how like I've actually seen some TikToks too where like there's this uh, she's a cis woman and she likes to wear drag makeup, but people drag her you know or like cancel her for doing that but it's it's not like i mean i honestly like i wasn't too sure how i felt because i i don't really like judging without knowing the whole story Mm -hmm. like i don't know this woman you know like um but it's really like comforting to hear from a drag performer like what your philosophy is on it you know that drag is for everyone like same for us and fandom femmes you know like anime fandoms are for everyone and like it like especially for people who love that, for people who love drag, for people who love anime, like it makes it, like, what do we talk about? Just seeing the abundance mindset. Yeah. Instead of yeah. yeah, like you know, it's 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 better than we have more people to celebrate with. You know, yeah. Um, instead of like keeping them away from our community. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like another thing I wanted to um to add to that as well is that like folks who tend to especially in particular to identity when it comes to like the Asian identity without um, I've definitely struggled um and in social justice spaces with not being Filipino like enough you know um or like not looking like queer enough whatever that means right. um people don't under and they the markers that people use to kind of like indicate or quantify someone's like Filipinoness like or Asianness or queerness Actually, like people don't understand that that's that that's detrimental because a lot of those reasons or markers are rooted in like colonialism. For example, the example that you gave. Yeah. Like the example that you gave about, oh, you don't um, you don't speak like your quote unquote mother tongue fluently. Okay, but the why behind that is forced assimilation. Like the Mm -hmm. why. Yeah. The why behind that is, you know it being undesirable or dangerous to be out and proud and like speak um speak to your your parents or your elders like in that um and there's also that kind of specifically with language like there's also that other side too where i feel like on one hand if i don't um being really good at speaking english and not so good about speaking tagalog is can be beneficial in like white cis male dominant spaces because it allows me to quote unquote like prove my intelligence or prove my competence however like in that intelligence that con that competence that connection is lost when i'm speaking with my elders you know um and that trade-off isn't acknowledged and yeah it's very detrimental so i'm really glad that you brought that up yeah no (laughs) that colonial like colonialism and colonialist mindsets it runs deep in so Mm -hmm. many different ways if i can kind of share a little bit about like uh, a recent something else i Another experience with that too of me mm-hmm. of like my identity um, is that um, like to show you how much it runs deep. Like I I have I have immigrant parents. We speak Mandarin in the house, or well, technically it's like we'll sometimes speak Mandarin, English, and Cantonese in like one sentence. Like you know, it's it, <laughs> the Asian American experience, you know. Um, and so um, 
I have, I have immigrant parents. I remember when I was young, I was like younger. I, all, all these things have to do, I, I, Halloween's my favorite thing, but all these things have to do with Halloween because I think when it comes to dressing up and representing something that's not you, that's when a lot of things come up. And that's why I think mm-hmm. drag is so powerful is because it's, it's, not, it's not that you're not, you're not dressing up as yourself, but you're dressing up in a way to represent things that are potentially like, you know, outside of how you present normally. And that opens up a lot of doors and opens up a lot of different kinds of conversations internally and externally. I think Mm. that when I was younger, I think I was maybe like nine or 10, maybe nine, 10, 11, around there. I was a young child. I started playing, uh, I started playing Ragnarok online. Y'all remember that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Still, I I still love that game so much. Just, you know, uh, something about class systems with large class paths just mm, chef's kiss for me <laughs> um so yeah so i there i remember i was introduced to this like v- this monster that was like a chinese hopping vampire and i was like that looks cool and that's also my culture and then um i also was like oh wait that's also like Sienko from the Capcom universe. I was like okay that's cool i kind of want to dress up as one for halloween when i was like and i was like 10 right um I told my parents that and then they were like, oh, okay, here, maybe try on this like, uh, this like se- semi, semi like Qing dynasty hat kind of a thing because it's kind of like what they wore. I put it, mm-hmm. I remember putting it on and my parents said something to the affect, my immigrant parents said something to the affect of uh, people are, people might laugh at you because you look way too Chinese. That, which is something that had really stuck with me for so mm-hmm. many years. Like my parents don't remember even saying this, you know, but it's like, that's how mm-hmm. deep it runs. And mm-hmm. what's more surprising is I grew up in Fremont, California, a Asian ass city. It is like my high school was like 80% Asian. Like, <laughs> and so it's for the fact to the, like, like all my friends, like, like 90% of my friends growing up were Asian, you know? Like, so it was like, it's not mm-hmm. that I was outside of my community and I was like the only Asian. Mm-hmm. That's how deep colonialist mindsets run. Mm-hmm. And force assimilate, and that's how deep assimilation goes. And so, something for me that like was really empowering for me that I've done with drag is that you know I recently did a cosplay for Halloween as Sienko, which is something I've wanted to do ever since I was a kid. And so, oh. and so that that's part of me reclaiming that narrative of like I don't have to be afraid of looking to Asian, and because what the fuck even is that? Um, exactly, so, precisely. It's yeah. relative. It's relative. <laughs> And so, yeah, like juice. like juice and drag for me has really been like, you know, reclaiming that and undoing a lot of the conversations I've held on to from a kid from my, when I was a kid mm. due to assimilation, due to uh, cis heterocentrism and whatnot. So, oh, my heart is bleeding Noelle juice right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> this juice motif. I, I, oh, all the juices. Anywho. <laughs> so I guess rounding this off wrapping it up like this year mm-hmm. hello is december uh so closing out 2020 what are you the most proud of mm. yeah and what would be some of your hopes and aspirations for the coming year yeah, yeah. um uh, i guess i'll be a little vulnerable with y'all too um that i think one of my a couple of the proudest things that I've done um, in 2020 is survive Mm -hmm. because honestly, like we've, we are going through collective trauma with this whole entire year and it feels Mm -hmm. like it has not stopped and things have not stopped. 
because of, you know, not only mass injustices, but also our government having an inability to actually take care of us and beat this pandemic due to capitalism. So, you know, capitalism and classism is the root of many, many things. Um, and mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a whole other discourse and conversation. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, that that's the root cause of so much. And that's why we're still here. And we've been through so much. Um, so I'm most proud of, you know, just getting through this time and still doing work during this time and still like, you know, mm -hmm. and being able to transition to the age of quote, quote, digital drag and learning how to be creative and learning new skills. I've, I've been taking singing lessons and to work on, mm -hmm. I know, um, like I, 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 like you don't, I won't have music out anytime soon, but like, you know, <laughs> something I want to do in the future is maybe yeah. make my own music so that I can like mm -hmm. be the, be the K-pop star of my dreams, you know? So, um, yes. And so I've also like, you know, learned how to sew a lot better um, during this time as well. Um, Cause that's a thing that a lot of drag queens are pressured to learn how to do if they want to be on a certain show. So um, yeah. And also I guess what another thing I'm proud of um, is uh, so I'm, I recently got out of a long-term relationship. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, you, oh yeah. You saw him on stage with me <laughs> at send Nudes Halloween last yes. year. Um, yeah. Um, so I, we have, we have and had a very, very healthy relationship. I think one of the most things I'm proud of of 2020 is having an extremely healthy relationship, communicating at a high level so that we still, that we would still work in a pandemic and at the same time having a healthy breakup. Because mm -hmm. not only that, you know, like I've never been able to really say like, oh yeah, as far as breakups go. 10 out of 10. It's been very healthy, very communicative, and very transparent. Mm. It hurts like hell, but uh, mm, but right. as far as breakups go, it could be so much worse. So I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I've been able to re retain my communication and maturity to a high level to the point where I was able to, where this was able to happen for me. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess. And the second question was what goals moving forward kind of a thing. Aspirations. Mm -hmm. Aspirations yeah. moving forward. Um, continued healing is another big yes. thing um i've been in therapy and i recommend it to every single person if you're not in therapy i recommend it if that's something that's available to you i also understand mm -hmm. there's lots of barriers but also and you know it took me a long time to get here but therapy mm -hmm. has been helping me a lot so continued healing through therapy um my goals and aspirations are to <laughs> continue surviving continue Great. building spaces um and especially now as like a newly single person i want to um, focus on new ways I can love myself, new ways I can, um, you know, something that I've learned in being in a really healthy relationship. And this kind of touches on that, touches on something I said before, like, this is the first relationship as a queer person. And as someone who's like, you know, perceived as a gay boy, sometimes it feels like I have to date people and hope that they are attracted to me despite my femininity and not for my femininity, which is something oh, that's, you know, wow. a huge thing and very heavy on my heart. And, you know, Oh no, we are the lovesick girls. Um, girls. Something, <laughs> something that I'm, I'm really hoping to keep practicing is that this relationship taught me that I'm able to be loved for my femininity and not despite it. And so that's something that I'm hoping to work on being a lot more confident and working a lot being and creating peace around that for myself. Because that's something that is, you know, that's, it's not, it's so common within people like me you know, for people mm -hmm. in my community. So 
yeah, continued healing and leveling my pussy up. Hell yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> is the same brain cell. I was kidding. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, honey, we're literally like just so proud of you. Thank you. Honestly, just he- just hearing, oh, I love you. <laughs> I just want to let you know that we love you. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like hearing about your journey and even thank you for being so vulnerable with us and mm-hmm. sharing um, and sharing with our listeners as well. But mm-hmm. uh, just thank you for just being like, you know, a stronghold in not even just like the general idea of what strength looks like, but strength in being, you know, vulnerable and being transparent, being honest with yourself, Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And um, also just kind of adding to that, you know, um, I'm really – grateful that you opened up about your aspiration that your accolades and aspirations had to do with your humanity um because especially speaking as like um noelle and i are both creatives in this pandemic too and we're a lot i've been seeing a lot in the um like in the queer creative community and like the um by poc um creative community a lot of this pressure to produce and um amid this and almost this guilt um that we're not so i'm really grateful that you shared your story about that because survival is an accomplishment survival is something to be proud of and desiring that is something that like no amount of output could ever equate to so thank you for saying that Absolutely. Capitalism forces us to think that, you know, if we're not producing, we're useless. And Mm -hmm. trust me, I'm a Virgo. Trust me. Productivity (laughs) is the bane of my existence. So, you know, I, I, it, that takes a lot of unpacking to do. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like pandemic aside, like pandemic or no pandemic survival is an accomplishment and anyone can, should be proud that they, that they woke up and got out of bed and did what they needed to do that day. Mm -hmm. Of course. And um, to, to kind of wrap this up, too, in the spirit of community building, in the spirit of connection, um, in yeah. the spirit of uplifting artists um, in our community, we are also partnering with you for a very special giveaway. So um, <laughs> something that I'm, I was super excited to find out is that you have a makeup collaboration. What? Do you kind of want to talk about one. that? Wow. Yeah. First of so, many. my first makeup collaboration is with uh, one of my friends' brands called Slate Fire Cosmetics. They're a queer Indigenous-owned uh, cosmetics brand that creates biodegradable glitter gels. So it's eco-friendly, oh. um, and so the glitter that I collabed with them on is called the shade Chidori. <gasps> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it is so a. New. I know it is a silver blue and teal glitter that's like super high impact and like you know it sparkles like the thousand birds of Kakashi's fist. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's available um, on the Slayfire Cosmetics site. My pictures are up there. It's really cool. I get a cut of the profit. So like, yes. um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, how do people enter this said giveaway? We will be making an uh, Instagram post and everything that will kind of line up with this episode's release date. So um, if you're listening to this now, the giveaway is live. Putting that into existence because my moon is in Virgo and productivity and accountability are 
my shit. So just putting that out into the universe too. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much. And please look yes. forward to that, listeners. Um, let's pivot into our last segment before we close out. We have get wrecked. Is that the first time we've ever said it at the same time? And and we've been and we've been off the air for a little bit too. Oh my gosh, we still got it, Noelle. It's fine. We avoid that. The juice. It's the the juice juice flows through the internet. (laughs) But yeah, so for this segment, Shumai, what we do is Noelle and I give our recommendations of anime, books, movies, TV, like anything that we've been loving, loving, loving lately. So um, we would love to hear what um what your recommendation would be um i can go ahead and so i'll go first and then noelle and then you can close this out too so um i would recommend watching harley quinn it's on dc universe and on hbo max i love comic books i love 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 dc animated content y'all know that i'm a diehard fan of young justice so please check out harley quinn it's um woman-centered it is um one of the executive producers is kaylee poco who um you know from the big bang theory uh, she also voices harley quinn there's feminism there's queerness there's breaking the fourth wall and addressing very important social justice issues that aren't just hashtag trending it's a great show and it's i love fourth gay. wall breaks hell yeah it's so good gay. Yeah, it's on HBO Max and DC Universe, so go check it out. Uh, Noelle, do you want to kind of share your get wrecked for the week? Uh, yes, and I'm so gay for KDA. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my wreck this week is called it, it's it's a virtual K-pop band. Essentially, uh, they're made up of League of Legends characters. Um, I've been playing League of Legends only starting this year, but I'm obsessed, and I'm even more obsessed with KDA because I don't know. It, it mixes like it mixes video games with like good music and good dancing, and mm-hmm. just like. I don't know how to explain it. Like, okay, well, one, listen to them, but two, watch their videos because these videos be hella well produced and, and hot. And hot. And I just can't <laughs> stop listening to it. <laughs> I'm, hmm, I think my favorite is Akali. Uh, but yes. Akali, uh, that girl. Akali, go. Exactly. Precisely. The rapper. Of course, it would be the rapper. <laughs> But I'm literally looking at my wallpaper right now, and it's them. <laughs> I love like, that. So here we are. Uh, but yeah, KDA. It actually like stands for um, kills, damage, assists because that's a part of like the game um, in League of Legends. <laughs> because I did not know that. I did not know that either. Wow. So that's what it stands for: is k- kills, damage, assists. Or sorry, kills, deaths, assists because that's mm. like your your stats, right? So. Yeah. Pentakill, yeah. Pentakill, yeah. It's true mm-hmm. damage. <laughs> yeah. So it's like my nerdy heart plus like my K-pop pop loving heart, like just like fused. <laughs> it's like ah. And your woman loving heart. And my woman loving heart. It's just <laughs> all the juices are just excreting. Mm. All right. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. Not I love that. I, lo- I love K- I love KDA too. Um, my 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 bias in KDA is Evelyn. Um, oh, also Evelyn. Oh, yes, Evelyn. Yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, I feel like that matches my 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 energy. It definitely does. Um, I also thought it was cool that they got um they their got Seraphine. 
Oh, Sarah. Like Sarah Farian, like they got someone to sing in Chinese too. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, it gives me more material to use. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Also, uh, I think have you have you seen Evelyn's like because you know how like they came out with an album, right? And Twice mm-hmm, was on mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I really liked uh, Evelyn's song. Her yeah, each, I like it too. The songs are like supposed to be and, there. And Kim Petras is on that one. Yes. <gasps> what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fans icon. On yep. It's a bop. Honestly. It is. <laughs> Honestly, and then that dice. Man, I'm exactly. Yep. If you keep listening to it, I mean, at first I was like, this is a lot of songs at once and I had to digest it all. But then I was like, if I just keep listening to them, I'll like them more. It's a, it good it's a good album. <laughs> it is yeah. good. I love. And for you, Miss Shumai. Woo! Okay. Um, I had a few things I wanted to wreck. Um I'll just rapid fire them, I guess. Um, go oh. uh, go watch Over the Moon on Netflix. It is an animated series. There's so many Asian voice actor, actors and actresses in it. Talks about, you know, the moon goddess Chang'e in a very, you know, and I don't know, it was one of those movies where I was like, I've never felt, I've never felt like I, like the art style in which how they drew all these Asian people. It was like, un- they were unmistakably Chinese. Like, and I was like, I know that kid. I, that's my uncle. That's my grandpa. And I've never been able to see, to talk up to like say that in like, or experience that in a cartoon, which is really, really cool. Um, in terms of games, um, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm Genshin trash right now. I am, I'm playing Genshin impact. Um, and my ex, my, uh, now ex-boyfriend, uh, <laughs> we're, we're cool. Like we're still getting, we got each other Christmas gifts and everything. Uh, he, he, he surprised me with a PS4. Um, <gasps> yeah, it, 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 he got it for free, but like, it, it was cause someone got a PS4 and didn't want it, but I was like, oh, now I can play Genshin Impact on the big screen. Cause I've just been playing on my phone. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, um, I recommend the game just like, you know, just, just, if you spend money on it, be careful. It's a slippery slope, a very slippery, slippery slope. slope. Um, <laughs> and if you're if if you're Asian, you got those gambling genes. Just so you know, be very careful. Oh, just um, don't look at the shop. Just don't. No, just don't no, look just, at it. Just don't. And I would like to make one final recommendation um, because I think this is queer iconography as well. Um, there is a K-pop artist who is my favorite solo artist called, uh, by the name of Chungha. And she is like everything that I want to be. And she just released a music video in collaboration with Rehab. Um, and it's the song is fully in English. Um, and like the, it's her I, hat one, right? It's her hat one, yeah. And and her dancers are like all a queer dance crew as well. And so you know, she's just out here being like, "Hello, <laughs> hello, gays. I'm your queen, and you can't say shit." And I'm like, "I can't. <laughs> I, I cannot." <laughs> Nope. So queen. please, please watch a music video. Great dancing, great song, um, and here and her next singles coming out in like I think a week or two, and her album's coming out whenever it's coming out. So <laughs> we love yes. Chung Ha, a goddess. Yeah, I love her so much. Yeah. So does my dad. My dad loves her. Too. What? Really? My dad, yeah, my dad is like way more into like K-pop and K-drama than I am. Like he keeps up with all of it, and he's like, "Have you seen?" He's the one who introduced Chung Ha to me. That is so funny. Yeah, because he's that also so like, funny. I like her a lot because she's like the only one who can freestyle, and like, and I was like, "This is my type of chick," <laughs> and he's like, "Me too." <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. I- 
I also wanted to kind of like, because you mentioned Over the Moon, I also wanted to um, uplift you because your cover of Ultra Luminary was noticed by the voice actress, Philippa Sue. Wow. I know. Amazing. That's amazing. So um, please follow Miss Shumai on all her social media handles to see that performance. Honestly, like seeing you in the full on cosplay, I'm just like, holy crap, you threw that together in how long? Like, oh, I did. I had to, I had to put it together in a day because I had to shoot it really fast. So we love <laughs> that's amazing. Period. Adaptability. Also, really quick, um, what are your social handles for everyone to follow you? Oh, yes, please. Uh, I So if you want to, if you're interested in my work, want to keep up with me, I am on all socials at Miss Shumai, at M-I-S-S-S-H-U-M-A-I. There's three S's in a row. It's a little confusing, but learn how to spell my name. Um, and also please follow at Send Nudes Party. That's nudes like noodles, but with a Z party at Send Nudes Party. Um, our next show is coming up on December 19th via Zoom. <gasps> so please, uh, if you are interested in seeing performances from me and a super talented cast of queer API uh, drag artists, then please come through. Um, yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Thank and you. we will include all those links in our description of um, our podcast. So yes. cool. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, watching, wherever you are. We love you. We celebrate you for all that you are. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Justine. Thank you, Mishumai, for the vibes. Last <laughs> but not least, be you. Be free. And like a Shumai, stay juicy. Oh my gosh, that was seamless. Absolutely seamless. That was brilliant. Actually. A professional. A professional. My brain. <laughs> you said my Virgo brain. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs>